This weekly broadcast is presented to you by Cornerstone Bible Center, located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you subscribe to this podcast, please send us an email at in-depth-bible-teaching at yahoo.com. And now, here's our teacher, Alex Del Percio. Now, I want to read a few verses before we start. You know, sometimes when I teach, I make assumptions that people understand certain things, and I don't bring certain things out um, and forget about it. And as I was thinking about this later on, I, I, I was thinking after class last week, I was thinking I should have brought this out, so I will today. In Leviticus 13, well, before we get there, <clears throat> Numbers 12, you don't have to turn there. Uh, verse 10, let me see here. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Now, this is because she spoke out against Moses, and she was probably the one who was leading that, more so than Aaron. Aaron was probably, you know, <laughs> but she was out in the, for- in the front there, speaking out against Moses, and... Um, God makes her leprous. Verse 12, let her not be as one dead. This is uh, Aaron saying to Moses, of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And in verse 15, it says, And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. Now in Leviticus 13, where we're, we've been looking we looked at some things last week. Uh, leprosy, in no way in this chapter, is it imply that a person becomes leprous because they have sinned. Now, there are some examples in the scripture where, where God judges people, and they do come down with leprous, like, uh, leprosy like Miriam. But as a general rule, the lepers of that day, they were not leprous because of anything that they did wrong. Uh, many commentators believe that the boils that Job uh, had were probably some form of skin disease. They, they term all the skin diseases, when we're reading uh, this chapter where it says leprosy, all skin diseases were considered, that's the term they used here, Leprosy, but there were different different uh, types of uh, skin diseases, which I'll mention later. But anyway, uh, they believe that Job had some type of, of skin disease, boils, or whatever that were. Of course, we read that in Job two, where they uh, were in the skin, open. But Job did not sin; he was a righteous man. So, you know, we need to to look at the scripture and not, not assume. I don't know if, you've, if anyone even thought that, that this was a judgment from God, but you know, when he's talking about these skin diseases here, it's not. Um, in chapter 14, now this is a very interesting thing because some people think that chapter 13 was a, a judgment from God based upon this scripture here. And um, it's in verse, let me see here, 33, uh, verse 34. When ye become into the land of Cana, which I give you uh, for possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession. And he goes on and he talks about that. But that phrase there, uh, that I put the leprosy, the plague of leprosy in the house, you have to understand that God here is speaking, I believe, um, as the Lord of everything that he has created. So that which we see in the earth, certain um, laws, God has put them in motion. And, and they just continue in motion. For example, the law of gravity. Uh, the law that we're seeing here. Uh, was changed, I believe, in Romans. I'll read this in a second. Uh, 
whenever man sinned, things were changed, as we looked at last week. Decay entered into the picture. But because God has created things, he assumes the responsibility here, and he says, I put this, this leprosy in your house. What, it, what has happened is, because of sin, decay has, has taken place, and now, because of that, you have the mildew and, um, you, know, that, that, you know, stuff that grows the mold in the house. That's not something God says, well, you know, you're sinning, so I'm going to put mildew in your house. No, that is because of, of sin and decay. But God here says, I have done that because, see, I, he is taking responsibility for creation. In Romans... Eight, you don't have to turn there. That the, the, the nature, the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay and corruption and enter into the glorious liberty or the glorious freedom of the children of God. So, so people base that thought that God is the one here in, in chapter 13 that is sending the leprosy. And I don't, based on that verse in chapter 14, but I don't believe that's the case at all. Now, in Luke 12, uh, it says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barns, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the, the, the fowl or the birds? So God feeds the birds, although he doesn't physically come down and, and feed them. See, he has set certain things in motion, certain laws, um, where, where, you know, the trees and the flowers, they multiply and they have seed, the sunflower seed, and the birds eat that. So God provides for the birds. You understand what I'm saying? He sets these things in motion. So, so the, the mildew and the mold that it says here in chapter 14 in the house and in the garment is something that is, is an ongoing thing. It's not... Uh, a judgment of God on a particular person. I mean, I mean, God could do that, but overall, that's not what's taking place. Okay, now, in um, Leviticus 13. Now, remember, we are comparing uh, leprosy, which is a spiritual type of the ugliness or the contamination of sin. And so the person who was suspected of having it, or the possibility existed that they had leprosy, literally. They had a skin disease. They had to come to the priest. Verse 2, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest or unto his sons. And they're going to look upon the plague in the skin, and now they're going to determine what is going on, whether this is something that is contagious, infectious, uh, or whether the infection is starting to go away, or whether it's a skin rash, or whatever, whatever it is. But I want to look at a few verses as I read this that really stood out, and I want to take a spiritual application. I'm not going to deny, some people think when you teach like this that you're denying the literal interpretation of the Scripture, but I'm not. You know, this is a literal thing that they did, but there are spiritual things moving that we can see and that apply to us today very much so to our society because, of course, in any society you have uh, sin, which is a type of leprosy. Now, in verse 26, now if you've read this chapter, one of the things you see is that the individual is coming before the priest, and the priest is looking upon uh, this rash or this leprosy or whatever it may be. He's not sure what it is. He's looking upon it, 
And then he says, okay, now you need to be quarantined for seven days. And after seven days, I will look upon it again and see what's going on. And sometimes they did that twice, depending upon, you know, what they saw, whether something was healing or whether it was something that is a infectious terminal disease. So you have these people coming before the priest, and he's, he's looking at them. Now in verse 26, But if the priest look on it, and behold, there is no white hair in the bright spot, and it be no lower than, than the other skin. He's talking about um, the, the skin lesion. But be somewhat dark, then the priest shall shut him up seven days. And the priest shall look upon him the seventh day, and if, if it be spread much abroad in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is the plague of leprosy. So what is being done literally by the priest? And I, I thought this was <laughs> quite something. He is observing the flesh, the body. The spiritual application is this, that you must observe the flesh because you never know when the flesh will have an outbreak. And there you have a person... And everything seems to be fine. They look okay, spiritual, and what have you. But you never know when there's an outbreak of the flesh. I remember years ago in church there was this woman who had been a Christian for many, many years. And everything looked okay with her. And we were in the church service. I was sitting on one side, and I remember her and her husband and children were on this side, and there was this eruption of flesh, and I was a relatively young Christian, and I thought, and right away I said, man, that's the flesh. And she started to, to, to say certain things in the middle of the service, directed at the pastor, and, and so on. But on the surface... When you first looked at her, she looked so spiritual. She'd been a Christian for 30, 30, 40 years. I don't know. It was a long time. But you never know what's going on with a person, what they're doing in the secret place, how they're walking with God or not walking with God, so that the priest, the seer, has to observe, so to speak, because you never know when there's going to be an outbreak of the flesh. There was another person uh, in, the, in the church years and years ago. And it was very odd because that person had been saved like 20 years at the time. And for some reason, they did not comprehend in the inner man spiritual things. That they could not, well, I shouldn't say it that way, put it this way. They could not see and understand and identify the moving of the Spirit. And time and time and time again, this individual would disrupt the moving of the Spirit. And that disruption was an outbreak of the flesh. Carnality. So you see that God opens the eyes so that there is an observer <laughs> to watch over to see if there's going to be any outbreak of the flesh. You know, if there is, then that thing at times must be dealt with or however you want to say quarantined like we're seeing in this chapter. Now let's move on to verse 34. And in the seventh day the priest shall look on the skull, and behold, if the skull be spread in the skin, nor be in sight deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. So washing of the clothes here 
was necessary in order to bring about the cleanness that, that, that had to be. Now, in, in Revelation, hold your place there. In Revelation 3, verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment. The white raiment there is signifying that there had to be some cleansing or purity involved. Revelation 4, 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. Chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. See, there's a purity, there's a, some type of cleansing going on here. A necessary cleansing. So, so at one point, the individual was a sinner. They came in, so to speak, into the kingdom. And there, there was a washing by the blood. And now, as they progress in the kingdom... There will be need of further cleansing so that the sin, so to speak, of leprosy that may be there in the clothes, in the garment, if you will, will be taken out, washed, and replaced with a white garment, a white robe. And you see this in Revelation 19, I believe it is. So washing here is... Absolutely necessary. Jude says, hating the garment spotted by the flesh. See, because uh, that is a defilement. That means that something has not been taken care of there in the individual. And it means that they are not progressing in, in the purification so that so that they can actually have a white garment like we're seeing in, in Revelation. Now, in um, verse 29, let's go back to Leviticus 13. Verse 29. Now, there is in here, they call it the, um, the leprosy of the head and beard, or the head and chin, however you want to say it. In verse 29, uh, if a man or a woman have a plague upon the head or the beard. Verse 44, um, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. Now this is, of course, literally they're talking about physically the head. The spiritual application, I believe, is that there are Christians that have this plague of leprosy in their head, meaning that there is the influence of the carnal nature in their thinking. And it's just not an isolated thing. That thing is, it comes up occasionally, you know, and it seems to be something that's there. And, and I've, um, you've probably experienced this. There was a, an individual that I uh, met years ago when I worked in Warndale, and he had been a Christian since a very young age, but constantly related after the natural. And it seems like he could not move over to this other side. And his thinking and his reasoning were always moving along in, in carnality or in the natural level, never ever getting any higher than that. And his plague was in his head, in his thinking. Remember, in the Bible, it says that we are to be renewed in mind by the word of God. And it says in Isaiah that my thoughts are not your thoughts, which, which, which implies that God wants to change us in our thinking so that we start to think like him. But his plague is in his head. Now, in there's, there's uh, scriptural examples of this everywhere. 
But let me read this one. This is of King Jeroboam, and I'll read it from the NIV. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. Now, this king should know better. He's a king in Judah. Should know better. He's the leader of the chosen ones, the Israelites. He made two golden calves. He said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. And the people went even as far as Dan to worship uh, the one uh, golden calf there. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. Romans 121 out of the Amplified. Because when they knew and recognized God as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks, but instead they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginations, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations, and their senseless minds were darkened. See, they have a plague in their head, the plague of leprosy, the plague of sin. I I clipped this. Let me read this. This is King Manasseh, who they believe was the the most wicked king uh, of all the kings over um, Israel and Judah. Uh, committed to idolatry, Manasseh restored everything Hezekiah had abolished. Manasseh uh, erected altars to Baal. He erected an image to Ashtaroth in the temple. He worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars. He recognized the uh, Ammonite god Molech and sacrificed his son to him. This is the king in Israel that should know better. He approved divination, and he killed all who protested his evil actions. It's, and they, they go on here, it talks about, they, they believe that Manasseh was the one that gave the order to have Isaiah sawed in half. His plague was in his head. It was in his heart, really. But, you know, what, what was there was influenced by the heart, by sin. It's, you know, the same, the same thing. So, so you have that in some people to a, a greater or lesser degree, depending on, you know, whether God has, has worked in their life, whether he's able to renew their mind, and, and so on. Um, and, of course, the scripture casting down imaginations and, or reasonings in every high or lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God in, in uh, Corinthians. Now, the plague can reside in his head. That's in this chapter. In chapter 14, look at verse 44. Then the priest shall come and look, and behold, if the plague be spread in the house. And he goes on and he talks about what to do. If it's a fretting leprosy in the house, it's unclean. He shall break down the house um, the stones of it, and so on and so forth. So some, something has to be done. And then in 13, go back to 13, you have the plague in clothing, in the garment, verse 51, and he shall look on the plague on the seventh day if the plague is be spread in the garment, either in the warp, uh, warp or the woof, or the woven or knit, uh, or in his skin, meaning... Um, probably an an animal skin that they're wearing, or in any work that is made of skin, the plague is a fretting leprosy, Uh, it is unclean, and he shall burn that garment, whether warp or wolf, in woolen or in linen, or anything of skin wherein the plague is, for it is a fretting leprosy, it shall be burned with fire. So you have this plague here that can reside... In the head, in the individual, it could, re, re, um, could reside in the home, or it can reside in the clothing. So this is a picture of sin. See, sin is infectious. You know, I, I, Jim was talking 
a while back about this one guy who, you know, he was on drugs and he came into his home and he says, well, nobody knows I'm doing drugs, so it's not, he thinks I'm not going to affect my children or my wife. But see, because of the nature of an infection, close proximity can spread the infection. See, the, the individual doesn't have to do certain things in the home. They bring it in in their spirit because you know, that's where it resides and that affects other people there in the home. And so you can have the, the sin or the leprosy in various places. And in the garment, and I talked about that, where God wants to purify that. Now in chapter 14, you can stay in, or you can flip over, it's only one chapter. The last three verses summarize all of what they're uh, writing or what we're seeing in the two chapters. I'll read it from the NIV. These are the regulations for any infectious skin disease, for an itch, for mildew in the clothing, or in a house. See, there you see that, that the infection can be in different places. Um, and for a swelling, a rash, or a bright spot to determine when something is clean or unclean. Remember I said last week that the priest was to determine what was going on with the, the skin disease. That was his first duty. Secondly, he was to take action or, there, if need be, there would be a quarantine so that that thing doesn't spread. Now, I'm talking in, in another language, or this is their spiritual applications to all of this. Now, in chapter 13, we uh, looked at this last week, verse 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent or torn, and his head bare, and he shall put a cover upon his upper lip, and he shall uh, cry, unclean, unclean. Now, that was something literally that they did. But see, today... That cry is not heard by most people. And that cry is not heard many times by the Christian. So that when you're around certain people, let's say at work, if you have an ear to hear, that person may be crying, unclean, 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 because... They have a sin, or there's something going on in them. There's this sin of leprosy, or the leprosy of sin, however you want to say that, that is going on in them, that is infectious. And if you get around them, and you stay around them, and there's the proper contact, that thing will infect. And one of the best examples of that would be gossip. You may have... No gossip at all, and you're not even thinking about anything. And then you come around somebody, and they start talking about this person, and they go on and on and on, and right away you say, yeah, that's right, that's right. You know, that's very infectious. That's why you see you know, that in, in the New Testament that, that, that um, you know, it's, it warns against that particular thing. But that's not the only thing. There's, there's a lot of different things that can infect. It says in um, Proverbs, Wisdom crieth in the street, and she lifts up her voice uh, in the place of concourse. But who hears the cry of wisdom? See, not everybody. Who hears the cry of the leper crying, unclean, 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 and says, well, hey, listen, if I'm going to be around this person, I'm going to put the mask over my face so that there's no airborne uh, virus or bacteria that's going to make it into me to infect me. And so we need to guard our hearts and we need to be aware that whenever we're in the world, we're around other people. Listen, because you may hear someone crying unclean, unclean, and that will be 
a signal for you to, you know, be on your guard. Now let's continue. Um, well, verse 52. Okay, let's just... Verse 46. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean, he shall dwell alone without the camp, shall his habitation be. So he dwells alone, spiritually speaking, whether the person is in the church or, or not in the church. Their, their, their sin actually can isolate them. Now in 52, he shall therefore burn that garment. Uh, the latter part says, for it is a fretting leprosy, it shall be burned in fire. So in some cases, uh, fire is used to contain the disease. Remember with Nadab and Abihu, God contained the disease there by fire coming out from the tabernacle. You know, he could have just, you know, just kind of struck them dead and they could have just fell over. Why did fire come out? Well, because he wanted to purge something in the sight of everyone. And that's what he does with Nadab and Abihu. Now, the fire here destroys that which is dangerous. See, see the, the leprosy, the infection is in the garment. It destroys that which is a danger now and that which could be a danger later. So two things there occur by the fire. Um, chapter 13, verse 55. Now this is interesting too. I'm just kind of just giving you little things here. And the priest shall look upon the plague after it is washed. Okay, so sometimes when there was a washing, and, and I'll get to this in a minute, uh, it, would, it would cleanse or wash away certain things, and that was enough. The one washing was enough. Other times, verse 58, latter part, then it shall be washed a second time and shall be clean. Sometimes one washing is enough. Other times it takes a second washing, and that's, yeah, that's just the same with us. Sometimes God can, can do certain things, in us and wash them away the first time. And sometimes it takes a second washing. It just depends on what's going on with us. Okay, now let's go to chapter 14. Now chapter 14 contains the strangest offering, as far as I'm concerned, in the entire Bible. And I don't know if any of you have ever read this before. But, I mean, it is, it's pretty odd. This is the law of the leper, or this is the ceremonial cleaning after the leper has been cured. Now, the priest here does not actually cure the individual. They're going to see if the person has been cured. Then... They bring them to this ceremonial cleansing, which speaks of what has taken place there in them already. Now, I want to show you some of the, the, the typology here with this offering, because this offering is, is so odd. But um, leprosy, as I said before, the word leprosy when it's, it's in the Bible here, it's referring to many different diseases. The actual leprosy was an incurable disease back then. Uh, today, they use MDT. Multi-drug therapy is the, is the cure for leprosy today. But back then, leprosy was not cured. It was fatal. But there were other skin diseases here that they called leprosies, other forms, I guess, of leprosy, um, dermatitis, other skin diseases, psoriasis, rashes. They were all termed leprosy. The priest is looking, and he's going to see what's, what's going on, as I said before. Now, with the infectious skin diseases, 
Now, I don't know if this is with all of them. I'm not a dermatologist. I'm not a doctor. But what I did see when I was reading was they said that whenever this, certain types of skin diseases affect a person, they, the, the bacteria sits at the base of the hair follicle. Which, to me, when I was thinking about that, whenever they're doing the cleansing and are actually washing with water, they're actually taking bacteria off the skin. And that's why you see here in this chapter, or even chapter 13, where if there is an infection in the skin, they would tell them also to wash the garment. And sometimes they would have, if it would start to heal, they would have them wash the garment several times. And that's probably because of the bacteria there in, in the garment. They're telling them to, to wash that. So, so you have two things going on. You have the ceremonial thing in obedience to God, and you have other things that they're not aware of. For example, they didn't know about bacteria then. They didn't know about viruses back then. And so, but God did, of course. And he's telling them, go through this ceremony. And they're thinking, you know, okay, this is you know, obedience to God, but all along there's other things happening because God is, is having the bacteria washed from their skin. So it's, it's nice that God knows what's going on and, and shares, you know, the, 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 the basic thing with us so we can do that in obedience, but, but many times there's other things going on that we do not see that are of tremendous benefit. Now, um, in verse... Two, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then uh, shall the priest command him, etc., etc. So this is the only offering that was not uh, given or done at the tabernacle. Remember, the lepers were outside the camp. They were not allowed in. They, they were quarantined. And so I thought this was so good that the priest, he goes out to where they are. And that's the way it is with people. You have to go where they are. You know, somebody comes up here, you have to get down there with them and, you know, where they are and, 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 and pray with them and you know, whatever, whatever God has you do. But that's, that's a type of what has happened with us. See, we were all spiritual lepers. And the great high priest, Jesus, came outside the camp for us and touched us and healed us and brought us in. Now... Can somebody read, Jim, nice and loud, Leviticus, not Romans, Leviticus 14, 4 through 7. Now, this is the offering, the first, the first offering that, that they did here. This is what they had to do. They had to take two birds. I'll, I'll paraphrase it real quick. The one bird they would take over, when it says running water, that means fresh water. They would kill the bird over the, the fresh water, over, the earth, over an earthen vessel, and his blood would go in and mix with the water. They would take um, the cedar wood. Now, th this it doesn't specifically say this, but this is how I believe it was. They would take the um, cedar wood. It would be almost like a brush. There was a scarlet cord. This is a picture of hyssop right here. And I believe that they would cut it off and they would use this cord, the scarlet cord, and they would tie it to that, that wood, the cedar. And they would dip that in the water and blood and sprinkle that. Maybe some of you have already seen hyssop. I just wanted to bring a little picture for you. And they would... Um, <clears throat> The priest would take that and, and sprinkle it on the individual. Now, 
there is a typology, I believe, here, and I'll give this to you, and I don't know if there's other meanings. There probably is for these uh, different things. But I want to show you something with the hyssop because I thought this was very interesting. But you have two birds, and I believe that the one bird represents the death. Of course, that bird's going to die. And the other bird is going to be taken in the field and released, and I believe that, that um, is a type of the resurrection. So in salvation, those two things are necessary. The death and the resurrection. The one bird's going to die, and the other bird's going to fly away. It's going to be liberated. It doesn't have to die. Both of those things, necessary in salvation, that's a type of, of what Christ did through his death and resurrection for us. The next thing you see is cedar. Now, cedar was a very durable wood. It was almost probably like the womanized wood of its day, if you will. It, it, it was a, a wood that they would use for a building. It would not decay. You know, it was very, very uh, durable. And I believe that represents the, the perfect humanity of Christ, where he comes in bodily form, but he does not sin. He, he's sinless in his perfect humanity. No decay in him at all. Even though there was decay in nature, he comes forth from the Virgin, Mary, sinless, and, and he did not sin, and that, it, it, there was no decay or breakdown at all in his life in that way. And that cedar, I believe, represents him, his, his um, perfect humanity. Now, hyssop is, is something different. Hyssop, I believe, refers to the faith of the person. Because if you see David in Psalm 51, he says, in faith to God, he says, purge me with hyssop. See, that was his faith toward the Lord, wanting to be purged of his sin. The hyssop is being put down there in the blood and in the water, and is going to be, be sprinkled upon the individual. Now, here's the interesting thing. As I said before, that the people didn't know about bacteria. They had to be obedient to God, and, and by the washing of their skin, after they had the skin disease, it would wash away the bacteria from their skin. They would wash their clothes from infection. Now, I did a little bit of research on hyssop, and it says here that it was, I actually did this on the internet, it says it's cultivated as a remedy for bruises, it's used for chronic inflammation, and, and actually skin diseases are an inflammation uh, you know, of the, is it the lower part of the, the, the skin or whatever, the layer of skin? But there's an inflammation there. So, so this herb, God didn't say, now this is, these are all the properties I put in this thing to help you now. He doesn't say that. He just says, okay, this is the, the ritual that you follow. This is what you do. And, and you do this in obedience to me. The leaves applied to bruises speedily re relieve pain and disperse every spot or mark from the affected parts. Uh, it can be used for treating cuts, scrapes, bruises, cold sores, herpes sores, and to heal scars. And I, I'm sure there were other physical qualities in that herb that relate to this that, that we don't know. So God has everything under control. So here they have this cedar wood. Then they have the hyssop there, and it's tied on with a, with a scarlet cord. Can anybody remember anything in the Bible dealing with a scarlet cord? See, Rahab's faith in God and her obedience to God brought salvation. Remember, she put the scarlet cord from her home. Dangled it down. Then you have the earthen vessel, which refers to uh, humanity. Remember, 
Jesus, uh, who was, of course, the treasure from heaven, he took part in human form in humanity and had this treasure in him. And it says in Corinthians that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So here in this earthen vessel, you had the water and the blood from this, this uh, bird that was killed. And actually, that was a treasure. I mean, it wouldn't look like a treasure when you saw it. It's, it's water with blood. But symbolically, there was a treasure there. That someone die for us so that we do not have to die. Now, the living water was taken from some clean stream, they say, for this ritual. And streams of living water would represent the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So God sets up this ceremony here to testify that the leper or the sinner has been cleansed. This is what you do. Verse 8. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes. This is quite something. And shave off all his hair and wash himself in water. Other translations say shave off his eyebrows and his hair and his head and so forth. That he may be clean. And after that, he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of ten seven days. Well, why in the world would God say to shave off all your hair? Well, see, he knows what's going on with this infectious disease. He knows about bacteria. He knows about virus. Well, what is this a type of? Well, I believe it's a type of the extreme change that takes place when a sinner is cleansed. Someone who has, has walked in their life without God. And Christ comes to them and they receive Christ and there's this extreme change in them so that they don't even look like they did before, if you will. And this shaving can be a type of that extreme change when a person is clean and cleansed. And now they're walking toward God and they're walking in the kingdom. Then it says in the latter part, and he shall come into the camp. See, after all this takes place, they go through all uh, this, this tradition, so to speak, in obedience to God, now they can come into the camp. Uh, verse 10, now it's interesting, after they do this particular offering with the birds, now they have to do what we saw in the beginning part of, Le of, of um, Leviticus. They have to bring a meal offering, a sin offering, and a trespass offering. So, so once again, they go through, they go through that. Uh, verse 11 from the NIV. The priest who him clean, pronounces him clean shall present both the one to be cleansed and his offerings before the Lord at the, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So now, because they've gone through the process here, and they, they had this disease, this infectious disease. They were brought to the place where they were healed. Then they were cleansed before the priest. Then they, were brought, they brought the offering of the two birds. Then after that, they brought the, the meal or the meat offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. Then, after they were obedient in all this, for, for this particular amount of time, it's just, this is, I hope you're catching what I know you're, Jim's catching what I'm saying. After there's an obedience for a period of time, then the priest takes the person in verse 11, and he brings them and their offerings before the Lord at the tent of meeting. See, so, so you have this time frame here that things must be done and, and be done correctly. It's just like in chapter 13 where, where whenever they were leprous, when they had a skin disease, the priest told them to go out of the camp, they're unclean, and they had to be quarantined for seven days. Well, what's going on? He's going to see what's going to happen there. With some people, you, 
you counsel them, you talk to them, and, and you give them direction, and now there's no more you can do. You can't do anything else. Now it's up to them. So you have to just kind of sit there and wait and watch. Now, are, are they going to... And you had the word of the Lord. You give them the word of the Lord, and you know it's the word of the Lord for them. Now you wait and you watch to see if they're going to be obedient to that word or they're going to come back to you in seven days not being obedient and the plague is still going to be there. But if they move along a certain line, they're obedient to the word, then the Lord will start to show them different things and then there's this time where their obedience is worked out and they keep on, you know, walking with God and, and they're obedient, obedient... And then you see, okay, now they can be brought before the Lord again, being whole, cleansed, no more sin, no more infection that has caused them to walk in a different way. Now they're brought before the Lord in the tent of meeting, and they're restored. And so these things here are written for our admonition, so that we can see them, and have the Lord bring them to us and apply them to us as, as that applies. So that we would be cleansed, that we would be healed, and we would not walk around with an infectious disease called sin, infecting our brothers and our sisters and others that we come in contact with, but rather... We have white garments, pure garments, to where when we're around others, we're not infecting them in a negative way. We are affecting them positively to push them or to call them or to help them go in the way of God toward the kingdom. So all these things here apply today the spiritual application of them as they, the physical application applied to those back then. Quite something. God puts these things in his word, and they're amazing. I think they're amazing. Well, uh, we're going to stop there. And did you? I hope you guys read 13 or 14 this week, right? No, you didn't? That's okay. Gave you enough to think about. Okay. Thank you. Rivers of living